0: you one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday? Each week, you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, the order of adjectives and other words in the English language. Your teacher is Tiger Webb, the ABC's language expert, and he joins us here on Drive Tiger. Good afternoon. Hello. Let's start with the wiggles. It's always a good place to, to start. We all know this song, A Big Red Car, and it would sound so weird to us if it was a red big car. Why does that sound so weird to all of our ears?
1: Uh, well, the reason it sounds r- weird, Richard, I suppose, is because um, there is this uh, general uh, hierarchy, I suppose, uh, an order uh, in which adjectives have to appear uh, in English if they're going before a noun. And the crazy thing is, I suppose, no one's ever taught this. You never, No one sits you down and says, you know, listen here. Um, if you're going to put a bunch of words in front of a noun, they're going to be Evaluative and then a general property and then an age and then a color, then provenance, then manufacture and then type. No one ever says that. I can't even, you know, recall that without looking at my notes. And yet. Richard, the funny thing is, if you uh, see a particularly fetching uh, women's swimsuit, you would know that a, a well-formed series of adjectives would be uh, an attractive, tight-fitting, brand-new, pink, Italian lycra women's swimsuit, but never um, something different, such as an Italian, pink, brand-new, lycra, attractive women's tight-fitting swimsuit. That makes no sense to people. No one ever produces it.
0: Well, let me, let me just uh, narrow that down to one simple example. I've got an old yellow shirt. So I'm looking at your list. Yes, age becomes before colour in your list, and that's absolutely what I would say. I would call it an old yellow shirt. I wouldn't call it a yellow old shirt.
1: Yeah, and you can think about this. Or any time you you encounter you know more than one adjective in your life, you can do this little test. Um, uh, two leaky boats, uh, never leaky two boats.
0: <laughs> um, it, it, it happens everywhere you, you care to look. Um, and an opinion, an opinion comes before fact often too, doesn't it? So he, he was a horrible old man, not an old horrible man.
1: Yeah, so one of the crazy things is, um, despite linguists really knowing this is true of English, and, and having known this for you know more than 100 years, really, um, some of the theories, there's not really a settled question yet as to why. <laughs> um, and so one of the ideas is that there is maybe this idea of um, of, of definiteness, uh, or as you kind of say, opinion and fact. So if you're talking about a, a beautiful red Ferrari, um, the, the idea here, is, and the reason why we don't say red beautiful <laughs> Beautiful Ferrari, Richard is, is because um, you know, no one argues that it's red. Red's an objective mm-hmm. property of the Ferrari, but beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's less objective. It's less definite. Um, so that is one theory as to why this kind of order or hierarchy exists. Is that um, there's kind of this gradation from. Uh, general properties to increasingly specific ones along the, the adjective chain, if you like.
0: That's right, and it's more speculative to more fact based. So, uh, another example is that exercise you do when you're learning to type. It's, it's the quick brown fox, isn't it? It's not the brown quick fox.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, the I guess a frustrating thing for, for linguists and for people who've been studying this problem for, as I said, more than 100 years now, uh, is that no one theory seems to uh, account for absolutely every type. Um, so, you know, we have things like little old lady uh which little and old seem to behave in kind of strange ways as adjectives that they're petrified if you like uh into compounding in certain ways um we have other things that we we call adjectives words like only or actual or or other that because of um i guess uh, syntactic constraints have to go first uh whenever you're stacking adjectives around Um, And then, of course, you have these, I guess, um, set pairs, things like gross national product um, and never national gross product that confound people who try to build computer models of this kind of thing.
0: Now, there are other some – there's some counterexamples which take us into a a different series of rules. This is all about the vowels and in which order they come, and this is where splish-splash comes in. And the transition point is probably something like the big bad wolf because we just said that uh, speculative things, opinionated things – Tend to come before factual things, which would lead you to expect that it might be the bad big wolf, but it never is. How come? Yeah, well, that's again one theory is you have, um,
1: I guess, uh, phonetic or uh, sound constraints kind of interrelate with this. It. So it's not just the words and their meaning; that there may also be the influence of sounds. And as you've said, it's always um, flim flam, crisscross, chit chat, and very rarely um, flam flim or, or bad big wolf. Um, and, and that's we're seeing this thing called a blout reduplication uh, is, is the name for that you know crisscross <laughs> flim flam thing, um, and basically it just means that um, you know that is kind of the, the a pattern we see uh, in English and in other languages too. I think um, you know it's around in in German, in Estonian, uh, in Mandarin as well. Uh, if whenever you have this kind of reduplicated uh, series of sounds, you're, you're going to generally have what linguists call a high vowel uh that kind of e sound first and the second one will usually be a lower vowel something like an ah uh, so zigzag and very rarely zagzig. zig
0: yes so it's usually a vowel order of i a o so you get splish splash, the i becomes before the a. You get flim flam, the i becomes before the a. Pitter patter, the i becomes before the a. Riff uh, hip hop would be another example. The i before the o in that case. Clip clop, this is the same thing. And and how odd it would be to say clop clip or hop hip or patter pitter or you know as as uh, Bobby Darren knows only too well spla- splash splish. I was having a bath. <laughs> Yeah, and again, Richard, it's one of these funny things
1: where there are a, f- a few theories as to why. We know this happens. We, we can observe it. We can uh, predict it, I suppose, uh, with, with novel non-words. Uh, but we don't quite know, and I suppose linguists don't quite know, why this sort of blout reduplication is a thing in so many languages. And there are some theories. One theory um, is that it reflects uh, a, a much broader tendency um, for things that are close to you, words for close things, to have that i- uh, high sound in it rather than further away. So, this that is an example of this kind of proximal distal relationship where usually those vowels are the same. Um, some people think that it might just be, uh, you know, having flim flam or crisscross having two different enough vowel sounds aids listener comprehension. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's kind of a funny one mm. because I feel
0: like uh, I'm never going to misunderstand cross chris. Uh, <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> the, could it just be to assist the tongue? When I say splash, splish. Uh, splish is harder to say. The tongue has to sort of retract into the mouth, whilst splash is more plosive. It's easier to say. Maybe that's why it's that way around.
1: It could be. Uh, it, it could also be. And one theory I particularly like is that with a lot of these um, words, they tend to be uh, maybe a little bit imitative of, of uh, movement, certainly like flim-flam, zigzag. You, you can almost hear in that, that sort of differently space. It wouldn't be the same if it was flim-flim. You know, that, that's a different type of movement. A zigzag, if you picture what a zigzag would be as a type of movement, Richard, it's very different to a zigzag. I think we can all agree.
0: Yeah, Someone's pointing out on the, on the text, it even works with that well-known biscuit product, the Tim Tam, the I becomes before the A. Similarly, everyone's mad with TikTok, aren't they? I know it's a traditional term, but it's been used by the social media company. And yeah, the I, again, comes before the O. You know, they don't call that site Tok Tik, and the product is not called Tam Tim that's true and those are actually great examples because one of the other funny things
1: about this about reduplication flim flam crisscross is that uh classically quite a few of the almost all of the examples really um they it does seem to be new there's none before about the 15th century uh and about two-thirds of the canonical examples that we have today stuff like flim flam crisscross all of that comes from about the the sort of 1600s 1500s so I like, I like the, the Tim Tam as an example of, of a novel uh, about reduplication.
0: It, I mean, what's interesting is Bobby Darin, I'm sure without you know, being a linguist, a linguist and understanding all those rules, uses a number of them in this you know, two or three-minute song. He's got Splish Splash in them. He's also got Bim, bim Bang. Again, the I comes before the A. Bim Bang, I saw the whole gang. He says flip-flop, they were doing the bop. And uh, as, as someone pointed out, uh, how marvellous that his first band was called the Ding Dongs.
1: Yeah, I think linguists and and language professionals, uh, scientists, often uh, can turn to uh, musical comedy, uh, indeed to stand-up comedy, to get an idea of, um, you know, there are sort of overlapping magisteria, I guess you can say. Uh, Lots of people have very good intuitions about this kind of thing, even if, as you say, no-one sits you down and says... All right, listen, Bobby. This is a blout reduplication, and you're going to put it in a song,
0: yeah, of course, except for teachers of English as a second language where they teach all these rules, and it must be so difficult when when a, a you know you're in the English lesson and someone says the bad big wolf, and you say you can't say that i'm sorry, everyone will know you're not a native english speaker if you say uh, if you say the, uh, the 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 bad big wolf and and they must say the student must say. Well, how come? They're both just descriptive words. Why must they come in that order? And the explanation is quite complicated yeah yeah and it's the same i mean uh,
1: obviously any uh, english uh speaker learning something like french where um most adjectives but not all appear after the noun that's just customary and you know we've stolen some of them we have words like solicitor general or attorney general where it's you know really just the french form for general attorney or, mm-hmm. or soli- a general solicitor uh but there are some adjectives in in french that customarily appear before the noun things relating to particularly size i think and to, to sort of magnitude so grand it's grand prix, not uh, prix grand, uh, even though you would think the rule is it all goes after. So yes, there are these um, confounding uh, exceptions, and I pity the poor second language teacher Mm -mm. um, that will never have enough time to go into the student's question.
0: And and also to explain logically, because it's just one of those things that has become a thing, and we all follow it intuitively. Are there many of these rules which... Are really not taught, and we're not really aware of what we're doing, and yet speaking English from birth, we we just we know to follow.
1: Uh, yes, that's, there are there's, there's heaps. Um, you know, we're, we're we're taught vanishingly few, uh, I guess, explicit um, rules, but we uh, we certainly absorb a fair few. Uh, one that I quite like um, about uh, sounds so a rule to do with the sounds we produce in in English. Um, is that there's this this thing called phonotactic constraints and basically what that means is um if you're going to start uh, a word in English um and it's going to and that word's going to have three consonant sounds Richard um it, the only possible permutation in English for English words is it must start with s It then may have a P or a T, but then the next sound will be R. So strength, S-T-R, spring, S-P-R. Those are the the only two, three consonant uh, combinations that are legal, if you like, in the English language. Um, So if you try it with, uh, I don't know, B-L-R, you can't do it. (laughs) Uh, So it's really S is going to be at the start of that three consonant cluster, and that's a phonotactic constraint. I like that one, but again... No one ever tells you this stuff. Um, But when you sit down and think about it, by gosh, it's true.
0: I can only agree with someone who's just texted in with the simple text, two words separated by full stops, mind blown. (laughs) Tiger Webb, thank you very much. Richard, thank you. There you go, Tiger Webb, our ABC language expert. With another self-improvement Wednesday, all the rules that we just follow instinctively, even though we've never been taught them why we say tick tock and not talk tick and even tim tam rather than tam tim you can listen again to tiger's lesson online abc.net.au slash sydney there you'll also find details of how to subscribe to the free self-improvement wednesday podcast every week something completely new and bizarre and uh, often something you've never really thought about before In three weeks, a lesson from Dr. Anne Rogerson, the Charles... Sorry, next week, a lesson from Dr. Anne Rogerson, the Charles Tesserero lecturer in Latin at the University of Sydney.